Very good welcome to, to those here this morning, a really big welcome to those uh, who, who may be at home watching on the live stream. Uh, my name is Sam, so I'm a trustee here at SVC and part, in the preach, part of the preaching team. And as we said this morning, we're going to be carrying on our series of Vineyard Values. And the, and the, the t- title of the sermon this morning is Come Holy Spirit. So I've really enjoyed this series so far. I was, a, I was a little bit apprehensive. Part of that may be because I wasn't there when it was decided and I just got an email saying, Sam, you need to talk on the, the Holy Spirit. Your, your topic's come Holy Spirit. And I just kind of looked at that and went, that's a big one. <laughs> but I've just absolutely loved it. We've heard Jason speaking about doing the stuff. We've had Paul talking about the kingdom, Pete talking about worship. And so here I am this morning to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. There's a lot to be said. There's, there's so much that we could talk about the Holy Spirit, couldn't there? We could pick that as a topic and probably carry on for, forever as that being just the absolute centre. And so I was kind of thinking to myself, okay, so we've had doing the stuff, we've had, we've had the kingdom. And then I thought to myself, well, how could we be speaking the Holy Spirit kind of after those two? And I think the point there is very much that it is just so wrapped up in, in, in all of this. It's... it's values of vineyard and just what we're doing is Christianity and so we can't separate them so I will be making reference to to, to to those other sermons nothing too much but I really do if you haven't heard them if you haven't seen them please go back have a look on the podcast I thought they were absolutely fantastic and I was really praying to say okay Lord speaking on the Holy Spirit but but is there something that you 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 really want to to put on my heart this morning and I, and I have a real sense that it's, it's these couple of things, and they're not small topics. <sighs> Number one is that God made us intentionally, and he knows us. He created all of us to be individual, and he absolutely loves us. And that we have an opportunity through the power of the Spirit to get to, to know that person and, and grow into that person and become that person. And as part of that, there are things that really prevent that. And the world gets too much and it, and it breaks us and it, and it means that we fail to be that person or certainly walk away from the, that person. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be healed and we can be brought back to that. Every single one of us has access to the Holy Spirit. Spirit is here with us, it's in us. And it's something we should embrace and celebrate. So, sound good? (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) Let's pray. Dear Lord, we gather this morning in the presence of your Holy Spirit. Fill us all with joy and peace as we meet with you. Holy Spirit, empower us, empower our lives to produce your fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and through that let us overflow with hope. Amen. Okay, so the Holy Spirit, what's it all about? Small topic, easy one. <laughs> so when we think of the Holy Spirit, there's probably one place to start. Where, where, where do you think that we should start? Answers on a postcard, please. Huh? Acts 2, yes, Pentecost. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Genesis 1. Thank you, Brian. We should start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. Thank you. Crowd participation. Now, Pentecost, absolutely, we will get there. But when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, sometimes the best place to start is at the very beginning. 
and it may surprise some of us, or some of us sometimes may forget. But in Genesis 1, verses 1 to 2, we get to read, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without, with, was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. How amazing is that? Don't you just wish you could kind of get a glimpse of that? That just sounds... Amazing. So first and foremost, the Holy Spirit is God and was there in the very beginning. The term spirit translates um, from, he, from the Hebrew word ruah, if I've uh, pronounced that correctly, which means breath or air or wind. And we read in Genesis 2 verse 7 that when the Lord formed man of dust from the ground, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. Jason's spoken about that previously, but how beautiful is that? In Genesis, in the creation story, we get to hear that God filled us with life by breathing into us the breath of life, his spirit. Sometimes when I sit down, I'm just reflecting on this. I kind of think to myself, maybe just stop there. (laughs) How beautiful is that? The Holy Spirit is the Lord and at creation it is breathed into us. So we refer to the Trinity, don't we? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's, a, it's a Christian theology. It's a New Testament theology to a certain extent. Or may, many of us think that. But actually, it's written through the very pages of our story from the very first verses of the Bible. And the Old Testament is chucked full of the Holy Spirit. When I was sitting down to, to, to write this, I had so many other options, so many options available to me. So I went to judges and I'm still a kid at heart. So I decided that I would pick my favorite judge. And who else would you go for than a guy that could tear lions apart and kill Philistines? So I went to Samson. (laughs) And in Judges 13, we get to hear about the birth of Samson. So angels foretell Samson's coming. And it says, and the spirit of the Lord began to stir in him in Manadan between Zorah and Eshtol. And in Judges 14, we hear that it's the spirit of the Lord which gives Samson his miraculous strength. Judges 14, verse 6, Then the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces as one tears a young goat. Does this, do these verses sound familiar? For me, it sounds really similar to the New Testament Holy Spirit that we get to read about. And it sounds similar to the things that John Wimble was talking about and Jason played that amazing clip. I've, I've listened to it quite a few times since about going out and doing this. When do we go out, get to go out and do the stuff? When do we get to go out and do the stuff? And you hear about the Holy Spirit coming in power and the miraculous happening. And then we go to the Old Testament and we hear it. These, the stuff was happening. And we hear that the Spirit rushed upon him and it manifested itself in strength. But when we read the Old Testament, it's really interesting to hear that as the Spirit could rush upon Samson and others, we could told that it could leave him as well. In Judges 16, 20, but he did not know the Lord had left him. In fact, it's it's a principal fact that in in the Old Testament, Um, 
verses that we speak about when we, when we hear about the Spirit of the Lord and the Holy Spirit, one of the, one of the really fundamental points is that it comes and goes. For people that know their Bible, when we, when we look at uh, 1 Samuels or Kings, we hear about the fact that the people wanted a king. They, didn't, they shouldn't need a king. They had God, but they were insistent. So God, with the biggest eye roll in biblical history, turned around and said, okay, fine, we'll get you a king. And it starts with Saul. And we read in 1 Samuel, 1, Samuel's tasks with, with, with finding Saul and anointing him, and in 1 Samuel 10, it says, then the, he, he's, he's speaking to Saul and he's saying what's going to happen. He prophesies and then, and then this time comes to fruition. But he says to Saul, the spirit of the Lord, this is 1 Samuel 10, the spirit um, of the Lord will rush upon you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. But again, and it's pretty standard for the Old Testament, people aren't particularly great, we're just people after all. And Saul messes up and he fails the Lord, disobeys him. And we read that the spirit leaves him. In 1 Samuel 16, now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. We then read about the spirit descending on David. Okay, so, so what? It's nice to know. It's good. But so what? Well, one of the vital things here, and I absolutely loved when Paul spoke a couple of weeks ago, he, he spoke about that skydive, and we did a skydive through the Old Testament, didn't we? How amazing was that? I just absolutely loved that. And it's part of that, and it's part of that story. We were created in God's image to walk with him personally in the garden. Everything was as it should be. And then it's through sin that there is this divide, this split that happens. Seemingly irrevocable barrier between us and the Lord. And we get to read through the stories of the Old Testament and our, and our, and our history as Christians that the Holy Spirit comes and people meet with the Lord. But there's a certain degree of it being fleeting. Whether or not be in the, in the tent of meeting or at certain events. There is always this barrier that is there. And in fact, we are in absolute need of a rescue plan. And I absolutely loved Paul talking about that. One that we could, couldn't conceive of, and certainly one that we couldn't achieve. And we know that that rescue plan was Jesus. We know that now when we look back. Obviously, it's easy for us, but... But when you just see it written throughout scripture, it's just beautiful. I just absolutely love it. And we know that that is Jesus. Again, why is this important? What does this have to do with the Holy Spirit? Well, the rescue plan didn't end with Jesus coming and his crucifixion and resurrection, did it? In Jesus, we have salvation and it's a rescue plan to be close to God. But it's not an end of our lives situation. It's not a not yet rescue plan of salvation, a sit tight. Jesus didn't speak to the disciples and go, okay, it's all done now. Keep your noses clean. Stay out of trouble. I'll see you when you're up there. Did he? <laughs> so 
It's not something for us to look forward to. It's something for the now. Dare I say it, this is not... Oh, a few deep breaths. This is not pie-in-the-sky-when-you-die stuff. I have to shower. No, I'm checking. This is a now story. There are immediate and wonderful results of this salvation plan. And it's the arrival of the Holy Spirit and the coming of the Holy Spirit. I just love the verses in John where Jesus is speaking about the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling. In John 14, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit to the disciples. And he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth who the world cannot receive because it, is, because it neither sees him or know, nor knows him, you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. We're told that the Holy Spirit will be with us forever. We're promised that and that it dwells in us. It doesn't turn up on Pentecost for a week or a month, or to see a few people come to faith. And it didn't turn up for the life of Peter, or later the life of Paul. It came to be with us forever. It will be with us this afternoon. It will be with us after ministry, promise. It will even be with us in the week on a non-Sunday. And not just small group. It's hard to believe. It will even be with us at work. <laughs> Do we believe that the Holy Spirit is always with us and available to us? On the day of Pentecost, I told you we'd get there, Acts 2. We hear about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Verses 2 to 4, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues of fire, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then we read on and, and Peter gives a sermon. And then we re read in verses 38 to 41. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there, there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And then in verse 43, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Our faith, our church movement is built on the basis that the, the Holy Spirit continues to work in us. John Wimber speaks about services and that famous prayer, come Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit coming forth in power 
and seeing wonders done. And we believe that that continues to be available. How amazing is that? Again, it's another one where I'm just like, I might just stop, let's just dwell on that. We pray, come Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is always with us. We promise that. We say, come Holy Spirit. We, 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 we're praying for the Holy Spirit to come forth in power and to see wonders done and to be close with the Lord. But brothers and sisters, never lose sight of the fact that what Jesus told us we have available to us forever. How incredible is that? And the Holy Spirit is described as the helper or the advocate. Now a question, do we make use of that helper? Do we look to that helper? Now again, this is really amazing. So it's good stuff to think about, but where do we go from here? Well, again, there's, <laughs> you could go anywhere, couldn't you? It's our faith. This is what it's all built on. We read that the Spirit is given to us for so many different reasons, given to us as a guarantee of God's goodness to come in 2 Corinthians, to assure us of Christ's presence within, in 1 John, to speak through us to one another in, in Corinthians, to guide us in our understanding of God's gifts to us, again in Corinthians, to empower us to impact non-believers like we saw on the day of Pentecost and to give us rest. That's one that's been on my heart, to give us rest, to rest in the Spirit. There's so much available to us through the power of the Holy Spirit to see things happen through that and the glory. And we talk about the stuff that we still believe is available, going out and doing the stuff. But one thing that's been really on my mind recently, it's a personal challenge, but I'm sharing it with you today because I think that it's going to impact a few people is, do I neglect the Spirit? Do we neglect the Spirit? Now, what do I mean by that? Because it does warrant some unpacking. First of all, and it's vitally important, I say neglect, not reject. And this is not a question of what we read about within the gospel that's referred to as the unforgivable sin. It's not that at all. Do we neglect the Spirit? Do we live our lives on the basis that it's here and available to us, dwelling in us as we've been told and we read throughout the scripture? Do I live in a way that all of these things are available to me and that I've just read out, a guarantee of God's goodness to come? Is that something that I have truly built my, my life around, that truth? Is the Spirit something that I think about on Sundays? Actually, not even Sundays. Is the Spirit something I think about for five minutes at the end of the service? A blunt tool sometimes that we call on to do things for us. Have I centered my life around that love and truth of the Spirit being in me? And sometimes when we're guilty of neglecting the Spirit, we risk rejecting the, the now that we speak about, the now and the not yet. We, we, we risk rejecting that and embracing a faith of the not yet. Now, what does it look like to live with and embrace the power of the Holy Spirit? 
the day of Pentecost begins with this, when the Spirit comes in power. And again, it's, that, it's the, that rushing wind, how incredible. I just, every now and then, I'm just like, you just wish that you could have been there, couldn't you, just to see it. But we hear about it. We hear about it in our, in our history as, as churches and, in, and, in, and through other Christians, and we see it. And when this Spirit comes, people begin to just praise the Lord. And those bystanders begin to ask, like, what's going on? What's this? And you see that when those outside see ordinary Christians filled with the Spirit and praising the Lord and excited about God, loving God, absorbed in God and honouring God, worshipping, then people begin to ask that question and they say, I want some of this. We saw that on the day of Pentecost, but John Wimber wanted some of that, didn't he? We see people on Sundays, we want that. But sometimes it is really hard to live like that's available to us. And we lose sight of those truths. Why? Well, we've been discussing it partly in small group and it's personal to every single one of us. I've been reflecting and, and, and we were talking and sometimes it's self-doubt. When I turn up to church, I'm going to go and sit. You, you, you say untruths to yourself. I'm going to go and speak, speak to someone, who sit next to someone that, that's filled with the Holy Spirit, but I'm not. Maybe some of theirs will like fall out and onto me. Sometimes it's just a misunderstanding. Maybe it only exists in, in, in big church meetings. Book a new wine now just so that you can have at least five days of the Holy Spirit. Maybe we neglect certain aspects of the Spirit that we read about and what's available. The gifts, speaking to non-Christians, seeing is at all, as I said, just a blunt instrument. But there's a couple of points that I really want to make, so truths that we can just really go back to and centre ourselves on. And as I said, I really feel like God has just been laying this on my heart and it came out in the, 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 the prayer meeting this morning. I just absolutely loved it. God made us intentionally in his image. And his desire is for us to live in that truth. That's clear in the very essence of our Christian story and the rescue plan that God pulled together and the fact that Jesus promises the coming of the Holy Spirit. In John 10.10, we hear that Jesus wanted to give life and, and give us it to the fullest. That's a life full of the Holy Spirit. I've picked out Psalm 139 verses 13 to 14 because it just really spoke to me and I just, it's just so beautiful. But you were formed, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderfully, wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. I've had to remind myself of that truth continually to go back and have a think about what God's intention was for me and how beautiful that was. I went back and listened to a sermon that, that Jason did about a year ago now, if you wanted to go back and have a look at it when we were doing a series on James and it's about the, 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 the analogy of the mirror and seeing the person that God intended you to be and how beautiful and amazing that was and the belief that being that person is just everything. It will be wonderful. 
And we get to know what that person is like. And it's revealed to us through the Spirit. We'll get to that in a second, but it's in 1 Corinthians 2. And then this was mind-boggling. Sarah and I went for a walk yesterday, as we often do before I'm preaching, just to run through. She checks that I'm not doing anything I shouldn't be. And in John's, the, the words won't come up. It's, it was added. It's, it's in pen. <laughs> John 16, verse 7. Where Jesus turns around and says to the disciples, it's, it's good for you that I go. Do we, do we live like that? That the Holy Spirit is that good? That Jesus is turning around and saying, it's good for you that I go because if I go, the helper's going to come. The Holy Spirit's going to come. And then two, and two is a truth that becomes so evident to every single one of us. In the world that we live in, it's so, so, so easy to lose sight of that and what's available to us in the truth that we have. God didn't intend us to be anxious or angry or bitter or hate ourselves, to not forgive ourselves when he does or not to forgive others, to have addictions and to be slaves to those things. But we're told that through the Spirit, those things that hold us back can be revealed to us. The person that God intended us to be can be revealed through us. And importantly, through the Spirit, all those things can be broken and we can find healing. In 1 Corinthians 2, verses 10 to 13, it says, These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God's, for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that he might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. I've been really trying to discipline recently to, to, of discernment and, and trying to understand who was it that God intended me to be? Trying to look at myself in that mirror. Jason speaks about it and we've done it in a discipleship group, but when we talk to each other and we disciple and encourage, but what does the Jesus in me see in the Jesus in you? And it's a brilliant phrase, but it's what does the Holy Spirit reveal to me about you? And how do we learn about that? And what do we learn about ourselves? And a verse came up this morning again. It came up in the prayer room. You've got to go to the prayer room. It is absolutely incredible. And it's in 2 Corinthians 3, and it's at the end, 17 to 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this spirit comes from the Lord who is the spirit all of that stuff in the world that stops us being that person can just be torn down and broken away and we can become the person more of the person that the Lord intended us to be
There's a discipline that we've been speaking that, that someone in our small group shared and I've been reading up on it recently, but a, a certain individual, a gentleman called Ignatius, who was an early Christian writer, and he wrote about consolation and desolation. And in a very, please go away and read this, there's so much, but, but in a very simple term, consolation is moving towards God and what his intentions are for you and desolation is moving away from him and letting those things of the world get to you and, 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 and moving away. And it says, a person dwells in a state of consolation when she or he is moving towards God's active presence in the world. When we're becoming the person that the Lord intended us to be. The Holy Spirit knows us better than we know ourselves. And it's through the Spirit that a lot of this gets revealed to us, the gifts God has given us. And it's through the power of the Spirit that we can obtain that. And again, I just want to read it again, but for anyone here that is just lost, thinking, how on earth did I get here in life? And importantly, anyone that thinks this isn't for them, this, there is no age limit on this, or there is no lifestyle choice previously that could, could now prevent you from getting this. There's absolutely nothing. We heard about incredible testimonials um, at baptism of people saying that they were set free from these, from these chains. And again, this is about the now. This is for every single one of us. God's never done with us. Jesus is never done with us. We, we, we should be constantly looking to, to get closer to him, to be in a state of consolation. And when that happens, people, people glow. You speak to Jason and Bev about what they're moving into and you can see that it's from God. And you can see that the Holy Spirit has spoken to them because of just the glow that they have and how incredible it is when you hear about that. Now the Lord in his spirit, Sorry, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Just going to invite Bev up in, in two seconds, because there's something that Bev would like to share. But do we as individuals want that? Do we as a church want that? Think about the incredible things that are available to us that we read that are available to us if we move towards that. We pray, come Holy Spirit, come forth in your power. Let's see some of that. Bev, do you want to? I was going to share this after worship, but um, I feel I should share it after Sam's talk. So um, I had a dream last night and the Lord speaks to me in dreams and um, I woke up and it's one of those things, if you've had a dream from the Lord, you're like, I just need to write this down. Otherwise, I'm not, I know me, I'll just forget if I wake up in the morning. So I wrote it down. And um, I'll try and get this right, because I know it's just really important. The Lord wants to tell us this. Um, so I was in a room with a, a worship leader, an old-time worship leader, probably my age. <laughs> Somebody from years ago who I knew but didn't know. And we were chatting and he said, there's a different kind of worship that is coming. And then over the top of that was like a voiceover of the Holy Spirit. 
And the Holy Spirit was saying, you can't catch this worship off other worship leaders. You can't catch it off albums or celebrity worship leaders. It's a journey out of your heart and not someone else's. It will look different. Worship is going to look different. And then I felt the Lord say, men, get ready, because it's going to come to you. Um, so that was a strange dream, and I was like, okay, this is really exciting, because God's doing something with our worship, isn't he? The last year, so like, okay, this is great. And then I was reminded of Anna's dream, which she said in um, the leaders thing that we had yesterday, and she had a dream this week of being pregnant. Unfortunately, not with a grandchild. But she has a dream of being pregnant, and it was SVC being pregnant um, with something, and wasn't the word be expectant? And I just feel like we need to be expectant. And also, I, I think what you said about the Holy Spirit being different for all of us, we all have something to contribute. Your worship doesn't have to look like the person next to you, but it does have to come from your heart.